This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. A growing population also means a growing trash problem. And just looking at Malaysia's stats, we reportedly generated over 38,000 metric tons of solid waste per day in 2021 alone. And that works out to about 1.17 kilograms per capita per day. And of that, 82.5% was said to be disposed in landfills. Now, experts have warned that there will be no more land left in Malaysia by 2050 if nothing is done to reduce waste. And some have said that the solution lies in waste incineration, you know, burning refuse in incinerators to make electricity or energy from waste, uh, which will also supposedly help to reduce carbon emissions from waste treatment in the future. But is this truly the answer? So today on the show, we're going to discuss the environmental and health impacts of waste incineration. Joining me to do that are Magiswari Sangaralingam. She's a senior research officer with the Consumers Association of Penang and Sahabat Alam Malaysia. Also joining me, Zero Waste Malaysia's co-founder, and Director, Kosu Yi, and their Program Outreach and Communications Executive, Tasha Sababati. Welcome, ladies. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm very well. So nice to see all of you. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. So yes, um, you know, we do hear a lot about uh, Malaysia wanting to build uh, more incinerators. Um, so we're going to discuss that. But first, I think if we can just get some sort of basics um, out of the way, right? Can we talk a little bit? I mean, I mentioned it so briefly, but what is waste incineration? You know, what, you know, what does the process involve? Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, whether there's a difference between incineration and uh, waste uh, energy from waste. Okay, uh, let me start. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in layman's term, incinerators are facilities uh, that burn waste. Right now, it comes in under many names such as mass burn incinerators, thermal treatment facilities, waste to energy technologies uh, such as pyrolysis, gasification, or plasma arc. Uh, but uh, frankly, what the proponents will claim is that they can make the waste problem disappear. Okay, and then uh, some incinerator facilities, they install a boiler and turbine in order to capture a portion of the heat generated as electricity. These are then regarded as waste to energy or energy recovery uh, facilities. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so that's the thing. So, okay, so it's it's basically... I mean, it doesn't sound the most environmentally friendly, but let's let's discuss. Let's before we get to the, I guess you know what's not so great about it. Let's discuss the supposed pros of incinerators, right? I mean, why is it sort of um, touted as a solution to our waste issues? Yeah, okay. The waste incinerators, um, you know, they actually don't make our waste miraculously disappear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will share a simple explanation. When we burn waste there is still residues such as ash and also air emissions. So with an incinerator with mixed waste, these are harder to contain and usually more toxic than the original form of the waste. For example, dioxins, a cancer-causing pollutant, is formed when waste-containing chlorine such as PVC, polyvinyl chloride, is burnt. Yeah, so the ash generated from the incinerator also needs to be landfilled. So it is uh, not true when they say, you know, um, you know, you don't have to depend on landfills. You will still have to dispose the... Uh, ash and the fly ash which is more toxic than the bottom ash is considered hazardous waste and this has to be disposed safely and not in your normal landfills Mm -hmm. so for example in Malaysia you will have to send it to quality alum uh, and uh, this is very costly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then a detailed analysis uh, reported by Gaia Gaia is the global alliance for incinerator alternatives they show that incinerators actually waste more energy than they produce uh, primarily because what we incinerate it has to be replaced by new products. You are burning 
resources that can be used. Yeah. Right. So to replace them, you will have to make new products. So you have to extract virgin materials from the earth, manufacture and process these into new materials, then replace the ones uh, the incinerator had burnt. So this actually uses up tremendous amounts of energy compared to reusing or recycling what we already have. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things where they say that, you know, it's production of heat and power, you know, so it's um, it's more efficient way to produce electricity and things like that. Would that be something that you agree with? Uh, no. In terms of heat or power generation, all incinerators are a massive waste of energy. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, in Malaysia, due to the low calorific uh, value of waste, because our waste is wet, yeah, it's mostly organic waste, mm. incinerators are only able to generate small amounts of energy while it destroys large amounts of uh, reusable materials. Mm. So because energy produced by the waste to energy uh, incinerators is marginal, it will not contribute substantially to the electricity grid, Yeah, as yeah. I mentioned. Yeah. Since our waste in Asia, Malaysia is mostly organic, they will need additional energy input to first process the waste to make it suitable for burning and then burn it. Yeah, or they will have to, in, um, you know, um, use paper to make it like um, drier, uh, and so this negatively affects the energy balance of these facilities. So for me, <laughs> there are no pros for incineration, and as a member of uh, the Global Alliance for Incinerator Alternatives, we have been opposing all forms of incineration. Also, this waste to energy facilities. Okay, all right, and uh, we will talk about. Uh, we'll go into more detail about the cons of it, right? But um, for Suyi and Tasha, anything you wanted to add in terms of uh, you know how you feel about uh, incinerators? Tasha. I think we completely agree with what Margus has said. Also, but another one of the pros that people often say is that there's a reduced reliance on transporting all this waste and the cost associated with that. But then that's also combated with the huge amount of investment there is in order to build incinerators. So most of them can cost up to 6 million ringgit as well. So that's also something that's missing from what the public hears and sees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, because it's something they say that it was so much more efficient, right? But you know, if you're going to add paper to burn something, that doesn't sound like efficiency to me, like what Magis just said. All right, so now let's talk about the cons, right? So uh, I think Magis, basically you've already said most <laughs> of it, but let's state it there. Let's state what yeah. is the problem with incinerators? Uh, yeah, as uh, Tasha had already mentioned, incinerators are actually very expensive method to generate energy and also to handle waste. Um, and it also creates a significant uh, economic burden yeah, for the host city. I can give you some examples of municipal municipalities, uh, cities that have ended up in debt because of incinerators. For example, in uh, 2011, uh, Harrisburg in Pennsylvania, um, they became the largest US city to declare bankruptcy. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the financial blame rests on the staggering debt payments for upgrades to the city's incinerator. You may have incinerators; you will have to uh, maintain it, yeah, so that it uh, performs um, uh, properly and it does not cause pollution. So these are really um, very expensive uh, in terms of maintenance costs, also. In terms of the health and uh, environmental risks, as I had already mentioned, yeah, it can cause uh, emissions of dioxins. And, and all of these uh, incinerators, they pose considerable risk to the health and environment mm-hmm. of neighboring communities. Yeah, yeah. It, it, They will say this is most at once incinerator. Yeah, This is what the incinerator peddlers will say. But then even the most at once, they release thousands of pollutants yeah, that contaminate our oil, soil and water. And it also enters our food supply and concentrates up through the food chain. So these are actually um, uh, major emitters of cancer-causing dioxins and furans, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Tasha, Sui, anything you wanted to add? 
Yeah, and also I think uh, most likely most of the incinerators in the cities or in the other places, they usually they build at um, a rural area. So that's also might affect uh, most of the uh, vulnerable communities. So for example, like in recent study in Seoul, Korea, uh, they also find out that people who stay nearby incinerators, uh, they tend to have higher risk of uh, asthma as well. Yeah, so in terms of health risk, it's very important for us to really be mindful that, um, I mean, like health issues is also a very uh, important priorities. And even though when we consider that uh, incinerators might generate energy, but we also need to be a bit more um. Uh, more numbers are driven as well because uh, in, in, in study as well, uh, even though if we burn one tons of plastic, considering with the energy that we produce, we also generate 1.43 tons of CO2 emissions. So will that be able to justify for us to have incinerators or um, a more holistic approach on zero waste implementation, for example? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is something as well, right? And I think we also call it environmental racism, right? Like you said, they build it at places where, you know, the communities are uh, maybe less, you know, they are less empowered to speak up or, you know, it, it's just kind of sprung on them, right? I mean, we've seen that happening here in Kuala Langat, for example, you know, the residents fighting all of this. So, uh, Magis, you know, I, I'm sure that's something, I know that's something that Sahabat Alam and the Consumers Association of Penang have been talking about as well. Uh, yes, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, even in Malaysia, yeah, uh, so the first uh, mega incinerator that was proposed to be built was in Kampong Bohol in uh, Puchong. Mm. That was in uh, 2000. Um, so this proposal was scrapped due to the protest by the communities. You know, there were uh, communities staying near the Kringrara, Puchong area. They had protested. Then what happened was they proposed, the proposal was moved to Kampong Broga. Yes. In Semenye, yes. yeah, because yeah. because they say this is a rural area and in the forest, the people will just keep quiet. But no, the community protested and also took the case to court. Yeah, so this um, project was also finally scrapped. And then later on, there was a proposal to build an incinerator in Taman Beringin, Kepong, and uh, prompting the formation of the KL uh, Tatna Incinerator Group. So, uh, so communities have been protesting uh, all these mega incinerators. And then what the government did, okay, we shall have small incinerators on islands. So they proposed um, incinerators on islands such as in Langkawi, Pangkor, Teoman, uh, Labuan, mm-hmm. and also uh, one in Cameron Highlands. But then most of them have been riddled with problems. In fact, um, CAP, uh, we commented on the environmental impact assessment reports for these incinerators. And uh, in the report itself, it was mentioned that, you know, these incinerator plants... Um, a lab experiment, yeah. It was at a lab experiment and unproven in large-scale real-world situation. So there was lack of independent studies to demonstrate that technology was safe or cost-effective on a commercial large scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the Auditor General's uh, report in 2012 revealed weaknesses and unsatisfactory performance of these incinerators. So it's been there for many years. But then there have been a lot of problems. Some have still not been operating uh, effectively and efficiently. And if you go to Langkawi uh, and you pass by this um, insulator plant, you can see there's a uh, landfill. Yeah? <laughs> it's like an open dump. So much of waste there. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, causing order. So when they're saying, oh, no, this, this will solve your uh, waste problem, it is not. 
yeah, it's still uh, uh, having a lot of problems here. It's almost like doubling the energy and the space required, right? Because you still require a landfill and then you're taking up space and, you know, the energy and everything for the incinerator. So it's like double the problem almost. Yes, yes. Double the problem. Double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, let's yeah. just go for a quick break, ladies. When we come back, you know, let's talk about, I guess, you know, some international sort of like uh, examples, you know, that suggest this might be the best solution, but why we don't think it is. Uh, I'm speaking today to Magiswari Sangaralingam. She's a senior researcher Officer with the Consumers Association of Penang and Sahabat Alam Malaysia. Also joining me, Ko Suyi and Tasha Sababati. They are both with Zero Waste Malaysia. Suyi is the co-founder and director. Tasha is the program outreach and communications executive. Uh, we're discussing why incinerators aren't the answer, uh, despite you know uh, a lot of I think very well uh, well marketed uh, campaigns to say that they are the solution uh, for our waste problems. We'll continue that discussion after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. With me on the line today, Ko Suyi and Tasha Sababati. They are both with Zero Waste Malaysia. Suyi is the co-founder and director. Tasha is the program outreach and communications executive. Uh, also joining us, Magaswari Sangralingam, a senior research officer with the Consumers Association of Penang and Sahabat Alam Malaysia. We're talking about incinerators and uh, why they aren't really the answer to our, well, we do have a trash problem. We do have, you know, a waste issue, uh, not just here in Malaysia, but across the world. But uh, perhaps, you know, we need to think of other things, you know, more zero waste sort of solutions uh, rather than just wanting to burn all our rubbish. And also, I think, you know, personally, we need to change a lot. But anyways, we were discussing the pros and cons of um, incinerators uh, before the break. Um, so, you know, when I was just reading up about this, uh, maybe so you, you want to take this, I was reading about the Nordic approach to waste to energy incineration, right? And that's often uh, used as the example as an environmental success, right? I mean, would you like to comment on that? Uh, what you, or maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and comment on it. Mm, sure. Maybe I can use a, um, I think, quote by a um, normal doctor that will always say that prevention always better than cure. Mm -hmm. So that's what uh, always our perspective as, uh, as, uh, as Zero Waste Malaysia, we always believe that uh, waste prevention is it, always better than uh, managing the waste. Yeah, because when it comes to managing waste, uh, I know that there are a lot of uh, um, countries that also use uh, the method of incinerator because incinerations, uh, I would say people will have this uh, magic mind that, oh, it's going to disappear. Mm. The whole thing, burn, energy, yeah, ta-da! Yeah, so, uh, but when it comes to also a bit on waste management approach, uh, to actually have a better approach in terms of like incinerator or even landfill or even zero waste management, I think we also need to be more mindful about our waste compositions. Like what uh, Magesh also mentioned that uh, in Malaysia, more than 50%, um, around 50% of our waste are actually wet waste. So, and also uh, waste segregation at source is not so common uh, practices in Malaysia. So if let's say we compare with um, incinerator plants in Singapore, right? Because I think um, it's quite easy. I mean, it's quite common for us to compare with our neighboring country, Singapore, who actually use incinerator as part of their waste management approach. We also need to understand that they also, um, among their waste composition, 10% of uh, their waste are actually food waste. So as compared to the waste composition in Malaysia, our waste is tend to be a bit wet and it's not very practical in terms of like using incinerator as a approach when our recycling rate is not uh is not high as well. So when it comes to waste to energy incineration, we need to be very aware that 
we have to uh, we have to manage our recycling. We have to manage on the waste reductions before we even think of burning our waste as a resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Natasha, anything you wanted to add to that, or, or Maggie? Sorry, any, either of you. I think just another thing for comparing to other countries, like Sui said, it definitely depends on which country we're looking at. For example, Singapore has very little space. So that's why incineration is probably the first thing that they jumped at when it first came out. So compared to Malaysia, where we do actually have land and space to introduce composting facilities, um, other material recovery solutions, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. My, my guess? Yeah. 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 Uh, as I mentioned, just now. You're putting things uh, waste in the incinerators. You're actually burning up resources. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we need to extract more natural resources to make new things. Uh, and running the incinerators are also expensive. Yeah, so can Malaysia afford to run incinerators and do it properly? Yeah, because it will entail more money being spent. Yeah, in terms of your know, pollution control technologies, you also have to uh, have continuous emission monitoring. All this is like really you have to spend so much of money. Why do you need to do that? when you can move towards zero waste, yeah? reduce uh, waste generation in the first place. You know, there's so much, you know, everything that you're saying sounds counterintuitive to, you know, the proponents of incinerators with that, which is like, you know, oh, it reduces greenhouse gas emissions or it's supposed to be, you know, renewable energy, uh, you know, it burns off all the stuff that we can't do anything else with. Um, I mean, you know, any comments on those sorts of things that you guys would like to uh, address, you know, because, you know, like I said, in those very wonderful marketing campaigns, these are the things that are said, isn't it? Yeah, I think I can chime in on the myth about it being a renewable energy. So first, I think we have to take a step back to what renewable energy is. The whole meaning of renewable energy is energy that's derived from natural resources that is sustainable. So nothing about incinerators is natural or sustainable. So it takes huge volumes of trash that we produce combined with huge amounts of energy that we could be using for other things Mm -hmm. to produce even more harmful gases and emissions. So that is definitely something that should not be on the headlines. And I think we are trying to raise awareness about so that the public is also aware how to spot all these false solutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing, right? It's like, oh, it's a push to renewable energy. That's what all these, you know, crazy activists are asking for, right? And then now they don't want this. So it's, yeah, it's a very clever way of, um, yeah, uh, downplaying the the dangers associated with it. Um, Anything else, you know, about the, you know, the fact that we can't, you know, it helps to burn the stuff that we can't do anything else with. I mean, that, my guess, is clearly wrong as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, I just can add on, municipal waste is non-renewable. Yeah, It consists of discarded materials such as paper, plastic, glass that are derived from uh, finite natural resources, yeah, such as forests that are being cut down at unsustainable rates. So as we mentioned earlier, burning these materials in order to generate electricity creates a demand for things to burn. Yeah? Yeah. And it discourages much needed efforts to conserve our resources, to reduce packaging and waste, and also to encourage uh, composting. So all this is really natural. And then also, uh, according to the US uh, Environmental Protection Agency, US EPA, Waste-to-energy uh, incinerators and also landfills, they contribute far higher levels of greenhouse gas emissions yeah, and overall energy throughout their life cycle uh, compared to source reduction, reuse, and recycling of the same materials. Mm. So incineration drives a climate-changing cycle of new resources. Yeah, So, so, uh, so it's really a myth. 
yeah, when they say incinerators reduce greenhouse gas emissions or that incinerators supposedly are renewable energy. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so I guess, you know, then let's talk about solutions, right? Uh, what What is the solution to our waste problems? We are growing, you know, the population just continues to grow. We're just generating lots and lots of trash. What, what would you say the solutions are? Go for it, Dasha. So I think we did touch on this just now, the whole idea of zero waste solutions, which is fairly new in Malaysia still. So looking at concepts of refusing at the very start, our consumption habits, reusing, reducing, getting the government involved in mandating things like an EPR scheme so that brands and organizations are also held accountable for the waste they produce and also dealing with what our top waste are. We touched on this just now, food waste, wet waste. So why are we not introducing more composting facilities and why are we not making that more accessible to the people around us also? Whether it's home composting, whether it's, um, community composting, there's a lot more that we can do to address all this big waste. Just 50% of our waste, if we cover that, that's already such a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sui? Pasha said it all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So like what I mentioned just now, prevention is always uh, better than cure. So um, zero waste definitely is a part of the, it's a, it's a, I would say it's a quicker solutions to our waste problem. And also it's much more affordable solution as compared to burning our waste. Because when it comes to like waste management approach, we also need to uh, consider about the long-term financial burden. So when it comes to like incinerations, don't forget about the operational costs that we need to actually burn our waste. So um, there are also a lot of like very successful community example, for example, like Kebun Kebun Bangsa, Kebun Kebun Hatamas, they actually play a very important role as a community to encourage people to, uh, to learn about composting or even be as a community hub for people to drop off their, uh, their food waste as well. So when it comes to um, zero waste concept, it's really about how we can tackle from uh, composting our food waste, which is uh, around half of our waste composition in Malaysia, and also waste reductions um, through our individual lifestyle or even through community level or even in a policy level on how we can actually uh, really introduce about extended producer responsibilities and also amplifying zero waste models such as refill and reuse uh, system in more brands and more corporates to actually adopt into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you touched on the point there that it should be on a policy level, isn't it? Because, you know, it's unfair to assume, commi- well, not unfair, but, you know, it's, it's a lot for communities to take on. I mean, like uh, like Tasha said, you know, you need the, you know, invest in the facilities for the people, right? Make it accessible, make it easy. Those are sorts of solutions that, you know, as a nation, we should look at and we should uh, start thinking about. Um, Magis, you know, how about for you? You know, what do you think are some some solutions, you know, to this issue? Yes, uh, in terms of zero waste itself, it has to be holistic and it's not only the uh, consumers or the communities who have to take yeah, charge. You know, yeah. So that's why we have been calling for product re- redesign. So you need to redesign in, in terms of the packaging. So the uh, businesses and co- uh, industries will have to uh, take responsibility of the packaging. So, um, so we have a call for redesigning and with the Global Plastics Treaty also we have been uh, discussing all these issues. And the most important thing is to also remove the toxics from the plastics. Yeah? Mm. If you want to have safe recycling, you need to remove the toxic additives, you need to remove the toxic polymers, and also you need to have a, a ban on all these uh, toxic plastics that are being produced. So in that, when that is done, then you can have safer recycling. Yeah? So, so there, these are some of the things that we have been calling for. So it's everybody's responsibility, not only the communities. 
but the community will have to take charge also because if you are hosting an incinerator plant, yeah, you will have to carry the burden of this technology. Yeah, in mm-hmm. terms of the environmental pollution, in terms of just now, so you had also mentioned in terms of the cost, yeah, the health and the social impacts. Yeah, and uh, as I had mentioned earlier, communities in Malaysia have successfully opposed building of these last large incinerators. Yeah, yeah, backed up by civil society organizations and also Gaia had also helped us in our campaigns. So we are able to go, you know, lead our life without incinerators, yeah, go towards uh, zero waste and we have all these zero waste advocates in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but you know, those those struggles that you mentioned, you know, those were really tough, life-changing sort of struggles and, you know, you shouldn't put your community through that, you know, so at that level, you know, let's not build um, incinerators in, in people's homes and neighbourhoods, you know, as you guys have outlined throughout the show, all the very negative impacts of it. Um I guess you know um, it's it's okay. So we, I think we're all in agreement that you know incinerators aren't aren't the best idea. Do we know that if any are being planned? Uh, you know, uh, I guess you mentioned some of the historical ones, but you know, in those islands, are there any ones that are you know being planned at the moment that you can tell us about? Uh, yes, the previous minister of housing and local government uh, had announced that one waste to energy uh, facility will be built in each state. Yeah, that already community. In each state, so you can expect one um, in uh, in Johor. There were plans to build one in Bukit Payung, and the communities there have already started objecting. Yeah, okay. from much earlier when they uh, found out that there is going to be an incident built. Yeah, so okay. there are so we as communities we have to be alert. Yeah, and there are also a lot of uh, fact sheets um, that is uh, up there in uh, the Gaia website uh, www.noburn.org, mm-hmm. uh, where you can um, you know you have all the details about incinerators, yeah, and why we should not have incinerators, and what are the questions to ask uh, the authorities when you are faced with this incinerator proposals. So there's a lot of uh, material out there, and you can also contact us at the uh, uh, Consumer Association of Penang and Sabah Alam Malaysia if you are. And are confronted with an incinerator in your neighbourhood. Okay, all right. And, you know, for Sui and for Tasha, you know, coming from Zero Waste Malaysia, I mean, any message you'd like to leave Malaysians with, you know, especially with, you know, uh, with regard to adopting this lifestyle? I'm, uh, you know, both of you have adopted this lifestyle, you know, to a large extent. Uh, maybe you just want to share some of your your feelings and your thoughts about it. I think going back to what we said just now, it's all about the waste we generate and prevention before cure, like so you mentioned. Um, the way products are being designed, the way we consume, considerations on what will happen to that waste before it's being produced. And incinerators, in a way, if we keep this behavior up, we become reliant on the idea that trash can just disappear or trash can just be burnt and everything will be fine. So Mm. we can produce more because it will disappear. So the whole idea of incinerating and burning waste is not sustainable at all. So what we are trying to do is, of course, raise awareness on the truth behind incinerators, but at the same time also raise awareness on what we can do, not just as individuals, but how we can support the community by supporting package-free stores, local solutions, um, practicing your own composting. We have lots of resources as well, like Magis mentioned out there, on how you can do your own composting um, and how you can start your zero-waste lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, you any message you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um. Mm, 
Um, maybe I would like to actually share a little bit of stories about our recent trip uh, when we were get the we were obtained an opportunities to visit uh, Zero Waste Island in the Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, Sikihor Island. Uh, of course, it's not totally zero waste, <laughs> but it's an island that actually um um it's it's an eye opening experience for uh for both Tasha and I when we were there, and also I hope that this small story will be able to inspire all of us here that even a small island could also achieve a zero-waste island. So this island, uh, maybe let us all imagine that um, in this island, waste, separa waste separations at source is mandatory by law. And in this island, um, composting your waste, uh, composting your organic waste is mandatory by law. So no segregations, there were no collections from any of the waste workers. Yeah, okay. so in that island, Every residence will need to follow that in order for your residual waste to be collected. And also, in this island, they celebrate Waste Worker Appreciation Day as well okay. to appreciate um, the efforts behind all of our frontliner of waste management, which is the waste worker. So this island actually really, really uh, uh, opened up our mind that even a small community area could actually achieve um, this zero waste goal and we believe that um, here in Malaysia, we could also start to think of a holistic approach on how we can focus much on waste reductions compared to um, waste management. <laughs> yeah. I just want to add, uh, add on that the island also has a single-use plastics ban mm. that's um, enforced throughout the island. Yeah. Okay, so again, policy level, lots of laws were put in place and, and it's it's really rather successful. I mean, the people are following that and it's it's proven that it's proven to work. Okay. Correct. Okay, all right. I mean, Even their fast food franchise also using reusable plates. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so on all yeah. levels, not just a personal level, uh, not just individual level, but also on for the corporations and businesses. That's wonderful. Okay, mm. all right. Um, uh, Magius, you know, uh, for you, you've been working on this for ages now. <laughs> Any last message you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, yeah, no, just before I end, uh, we do have waste separation law in Malaysia, <laughs> but then it's not being enforced. So that's the thing, yeah, right? Enforcement. That's the thing, enforcement. So in that small island, they can enforce. Mm. Yeah, what about Malaysia? You should start enforcing yeah, the laws that we have. And also we have been calling for uh, separate uh, segregation yeah, for wet waste should not be included in um, the general waste that is being collected by the municipalities. Yeah? Yeah. So then you can already divert so much of at least 50% of the waste from going into the landfills. Landfills, right. Yeah. 50%, so, you know, yeah. Okay. At least 50%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so much more can be done uh, to work towards uh, zero waste communities. So, what we have been saying, we need to reduce waste generation on the whole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And be mindful what we consume and what we do with our discards. Yeah. Just make it a point organic waste can be composted. And then you use that compost you know, to grow your own food. So that is what uh, CAP has been um, uh, conducting, a kitchen garden training to, uh, in, you know, to train co uh, communities on how to compost their waste and also then later on how to grow their own food. Mm -hmm. So so there, there's a lot of possibilities and there have been so many zero-waste communities all around the world and also in Penang and in Malaysia um, that have been successful. So we will have to go towards zero-waste. Yeah? Okay. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much, ladies, uh, for joining me today. Um, I've been speaking to Ko Sui, co-founder and director of Zero Waste Malaysia, Tasha Sababati, program outreach and communications executive, also with Zero Waste Malaysia, and Magiswari Sangralingam, senior research officer at the Consumers Association of Penang and Sahaba Alam Malaysia. If you'd like to follow the work that they do, just head to their websites and follow them on their socials. So just search for Zero Waste Malaysia or search for Sahabat Alam Malaysia or the Consumers Association of Penang. Uh, lots of resources there. And I think, I guess, you know, a lot of good response, right, to all this community work that you're doing. And also, you know, Sui and Tasha, people are keen to do it, right? And you guys are open to them reaching out to you and, you know, just asking for advice and help, right? Yes, we yes, have a lot of uh, queries coming on what to do. And I also follow Zero Waste Malaysia's uh, uh, social media. And <laughs> people asking, so I have this much of this, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah? And, yeah. and people exchange uh, information uh, and tips on what to do. Okay, all right. So the resources are out there, guys. You know, just go and, uh, you know, make full use of it, utilize them. Uh, thank you so much again for joining me. And if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.